Hi there, and thanks for listening to the Adulting is Easy podcast. This is Lauren, and I manage the Adulting is Easy blog and podcast, which can be found at realadultingiseasy.com. And the podcast can also be found pretty much anywhere you listen. Take a second, if you can safely hit the follow button wherever you're listening to the podcast. I'm joined today by Jared, aka J-Rod Money. He's 32 years old and married with a one-year-old and a six-year-old boy. Jared and his wife's money journey started about seven years ago when they were in their mid-20s, and they finally decided that they needed to pay off nearly $30,000 in debt. And this decision was triggered by a termite infestation in their recently purchased home. The couple financed an $8,000 repair without blinking an eye, and that's when they knew they needed to change their financial habits. Seven years later, and the family is now debt-free and investing 25 to 30% of their income monthly. Jared, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Lauren. It's it's good to be here. Our goal for today is to make adulting a bit easier for the listeners by discussing a personal finance topic, since managing money is a huge part of adulting. So today, Jared, we're going to talk about um, investing in index funds and a lot of other kind of simple, straightforward financial advice. But before we dive in, let me first say congratulations on not only figuring out that you needed to make a change, but executing and reaching your goals. Not a lot of people can do that. <laughs> well, thank you. And uh, and as you mentioned there, it was a uh, kind of a catastrophic event for us that kind of woke us up. And I wish that it wouldn't have came to that. But unfortunately, um, sometimes it takes that catastrophic event in your life to kind of wake you up financially and realize that you need to make a change. And that is, that's certainly what happened with us. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just... I'm grateful that it was only termites and not something, you know, else that was just, that was worse. So, but it happens all the time. I hear stories all the time of people, you know, they, they wreck their car or they, they, a a sickness in the family, you you know, you name it. There, there's several stories that I've heard and that causes people to have their financial awakening. So, and you know, that, that termite issue just happened to be ours. So. Yeah. And it's pretty incredible that I guess that happened in your twenties. So you were able to kind of turn it around still really quickly and you're in a really good position right. now. Yeah. And so, and, and we had just recently purchased that house too. So, and we were at that point in time, as you mentioned, that we were right at that 30,000 point and uh, it just was the insult to injury when we came in and we had only been in the house, I would say probably, I don't know, maybe a month, a couple of months we found that. Yeah. So not only did you have this unexpected repair, it was right after you bought a home. So I'm assuming you had just, you know, given up a bunch of cash to buy that house too. So you just didn't have anything left in the tank. Right. Yeah. We had just purchased the home and came home one day and found the termites. And, uh, and then immediately we wanted to get it looked at and make sure that it wasn't just, you know, a complete infestation. So right. uh, it was to the tune of $8,000. And that was at the point where we realized, okay, we just borrowed $8,000 without even blinking. And, and that was when the issue came in and we knew we needed to change our habits. So that really brings us to a pretty common financial topic, which is an emergency fund. How much do you think your emergency fund should be and how much do you think you should have had at the time? So when I talk to people about emergency funds, I like to dig in a little more. What are you comfortable with? What is your employment situation and how much risk are you comfortable with? And for me personally, me and my wife only carry a three-month emergency fund. 
simply because uh, our jobs are pretty stable and we have uh, zero debt except for our mortgage. So that's why we kind of uh, lean toward that three-month emergency fund rather than like a six or even some uh, talk about a 12-month emergency fund. So uh, those are the guidelines that I use. And if like, for example, if you own your own company, your own business, um, maybe you're, uh, you're paid by commission or your, your income is kind of variable, then I would say you need to be more toward the six month, uh, just simply because if something happens and you need some quick cash, you, you have more to, to play with. So, but whether you go toward the three month or the six month, having one period is is critical. So, and, and the, the risk component too is big. Um, whatever makes you sleep better at night, that, that's another portion that I like to add. If, if having a year's worth of cash helps you sleep better at night, then go for it. I mean, you know, they call it personal finance for a reason. It's a personal decision. Yeah. See, if I had a year of expenses in my emergency fund, I wouldn't be able to sleep because I'd be like, that needs to be invested. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's another thing is, uh, and I'm, I'm the same way, um, you know, it's, it's about having your, you're taking care of your cash and making it work for you. But yeah, we're comfortable with three months and that's what we keep it at. And we've been, we've been rocking and rolling with that three month for, you know, ever since we built it, uh, the, those six, seven odd years ago. So it, it's worked for us so far. Yeah. And you have at least somewhat of a scalable lifestyle in the sense that you're already saving a lot of money, right? So if you just, if something happened, you could also just be not saving 25 to 30% of your income. Right. So it's not like you need everything that you're making to live. Right. Right. Yeah. So we can, we can play with some money in our budget and that's the beauty of the budget too, is being able to, uh, to navigate that. So yeah, we, we could allocate, allocate some of our savings toward uh, bumping up that emergency fund if we needed to, or if we had to tap into it uh, for some kind of unforeseen expense, we can use that um, 25 to 30% savings rate to kind of beef it back up to that three month level. So yeah, that, that's, that's one of the great things about having a high savings rate is you're able to, uh, to do some things like that. Have you had any big repairs or unexpected expenses since you started having an emergency fund? Or is it like having an umbrella in Florida where if you have an umbrella, it won't rain? So it's, it's funny you say that because I've talked to some people uh, in this personal finance community that have emergency funds. And I can't tell you the amount of people that have told me that since they have uh, saved up their three month emergency fund or six month emergency fund that they've had no issues. And that's the same way with us. And we've had no emergency that has required us to tap into that emergency fund. Now we've had some unexpected things come up that we've been able to cash flow just by getting creative on our budget. But we've been extremely fortunate to not have to to tap into that three month emergency fund. So um, I guess you can say we've just have been really blessed or lucky, however you want to say it. But uh, yeah, we've been very, very fortunate to not have to use it. Yeah, you don't want to tempt fate, right? Exactly. If, if it comes my way, I'll, I'll be here for it. Well, and I like what you said that um, having any emergency fund, even if you can't do three months right away, because what is it like 40% of the population doesn't have $400 or something like 
they'd have to borrow if they had a four hundred dollar repair. It's it's some like there's some statistic like that. So even if you get a thousand dollar emergency fund, it can make a big difference because then when those things come up, like your eight thousand dollar termite repair, not only did you not have that cash at the time, you're paying interest on that. So it's just an emergency fund keeps you from having to dig a hole that you have to get out of. Exactly, and and another thing that I like to say with emergency funds too is especially when you pay off your high interest debt and you know your credit cards or whatever type of debt that you had uh, prior to having uh, investments or emer- your emergency fund, I like to say that the emergency fund is your uh, platform to begin your investing journey. Because if you start investing right away with no emergency fund or any kind of cash saved, what's the first thing you're going to do when something happens? Yeah, sell your investments, pay taxes, yeah, exactly. maybe sell them at a loss. Any and, of that. and you're just right back to square one. So having that emergency fund is the launch pad for your your investing journey. And that's that's one thing that I like to uh, talk about a lot uh, with my Twitter page is, is, you know, people look at emergency funds as um, maybe not utilizing cash efficiently. But what people don't realize is it's kind of a it saves you from having to sell your investments because things happen. I mean, you know, the water heaters go out or your car breaks down, you name it, and that requires money. And if we're going to not uh, go back into a cycle of maybe using a credit card or maybe getting a high interest loan or something to pay it, having that cash is crucial. And if you start investing before getting the emergency fund, you're going to be tempted to sell that and you're just going to be right back where you started. So um, speaking of credit cards, was that the debt that you guys had at the time? It was a portion of it. It was a mm-hmm. it was a it was a small percentage of it. Um, we had two credit cards. It was a uh, a bank card and a Belk credit card. So yeah, that was I got that one day uh, buying a uh, an anniversary gift uh, for my wife. I signed up for the credit card because yep. she got so many uh, you know dollars off the purchase, and I thought, okay, let's do that. And uh, it ended up being a a portion of our debt. So, yeah, just the two cards. And I got rid of both of those. And the only one we have now is a a gas credit card that we use uh, when we we, uh, buy gas and we just pay it off monthly. Got it. Okay. (laughs) The Bell credit card. That's funny. Yeah. Um, I've done that. You know what, though? This is so random. I had a Sears credit card back when there was Sears and it, I didn't know I had it. Like I signed up for it one time. It was like, I was buying something for like $20 and I got like $15 off and I was like 18. I was like an idiot. I thought that sounded really good to get that thing for $5. And I didn't know I had the credit card, so I wasn't using it, but it was open. And so when I went to buy my first house, like that showed up as a credit line and like helped my credit a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So I fluked, I really fluked into that because had I known about it, I might've done something where I just ran up. Yeah, they know how to uh, sell credit cards, that's for sure. And, um, you know, that carrot's always dangling and it, it gets a lot of people. So, <laughs> and it definitely got us. Yeah, but you got out of that, got out of that pretty quickly. Um, so I know you've, you've mentioned budgeting a couple of times. Do you use a particular kind of budget, any particular kind of platform? How do you track that? Yeah, so we use a a program called Every Dollar. Um, you may be familiar with it. It's it's actually Dave Ramsey's budgeting uh, app, okay. and uh, we use a uh, 
a zero based budget. So I'm sure your your listeners mm-hmm. are very familiar with the uh, zero based, but basically it's where you just list all of your expenses at the top and or I'm sorry, your income at the top rather, and then your subtract your expenses from that. And then whatever you have left is what you can allocate toward investing or paying off debt. Uh, that's that's kind of the zero based in a nutshell. And once you allocate all your dollars to your income versus your expenses, then your uh, your output should be exactly zero. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the every dollar app is is very uh, good at showing. It's got a lot of visuals, and you can link your bank account to the the website. So every time you swipe your debit card, it queues up expenses and then you can just drag and drop uh, expenses over into your category. So it, it's a great tool and uh, it's one that I recommend to anybody. Um, but there's several others out there uh, that I've tried Mint. I've tried uh, personal capital, you know, just a regular spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's what we use and, uh, and we've had pretty good success with it. Yeah. And for, yeah, for listeners, so zero-based budget, it's exactly what you said, where you have your income and then you have your expenses, you have your savings. If you do get to the point where you're like, okay, I'm actually spending exactly what my income is and I don't have money to invest, what you need to do is make more, spend less, make sure you're investing something, right? At least at least get started down there. Well, and speaking of that, when you guys first started, you know, decided I'm going to make this change, I've had this big expense. We had to finance it. I don't want that to ever happen again. Did you have to look hard at a budget and make some cuts or how did that go? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, the budget was, I'll say the most important part of our debt free journey because before we didn't really have any idea what our money situation looked like. We didn't know how exactly how much we were bringing in. We didn't know exactly how much we were spending. I mean, we kind of had a vague idea, but we didn't have a precise uh, image. And it, and not that you need just a super precise image, but it certainly helps mm-hmm. when you need to pay down debt. So that's what we needed a budget for, and that's what we utilized it for. We, when we first did our budget, uh, after we. Uh, made the decision that we were going to start paying off our debt. Uh, we, it was almost like we gave ourselves a raise when we started cutting back some expenses because we saw that we were just spending on just all kinds of junk. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, stuff on the belt credit card. Um, we were going out to eat. It, it was ridiculous the amount of food that we were spending going out to eat per month. I think at the high point, we, we actually spent a, right at $1,000 one month eating out, which is just unfathomable now going back and thinking about it. But <laughs> but when, when you cut out all of that stuff, you realize that you actually have more money than you think to work with. And, and people with dual income situations, or maybe you're in a uh, you're just starting off in your career and you're you're starting to get some traction in your career and making some extra income. Um, having a budget helps you see what you can and can't do with your money. And so that that was the way we utilized one. And and it's not that we went just completely bare bones. We didn't go scorched earth, as Dave Ramsey says, and just cut out all the fun mm-hmm. stuff. We, we still had you know, our fun money. We still had, um, you know, some money allocated for eating out, but we just 
started paying attention. That that was the main thing. And and you can certainly do that. You can go bare bones and just stay home and cook all the time and never go anywhere and just go absolutely scorched earth if you want to. But that's not the way we approached it. Um, could we have paid it off a little sooner? Yeah, maybe. But we, we still had fun, you know, but with just scaling back was the, the big thing. And that was only possible because we started using a budget and looking at ourselves in the mirror and facing all of these poor money decisions that we've been making. Yeah. Like you said, personal finance is personal and you personally didn't want to go scorched earth and that's totally fine. And maybe some people do, um, but you don't know, you can't know what you even can do without having some kind of budget or at least taking a look at what's going in and what's going out and making some changes. Exactly. And, and, and budgeting gets a bad rap, I believe. I think people see budgeting and they think, okay, well, we can't have any fun now. And we're, we're just, but, but we're going to just use this budget long enough to maybe get out of debt and then we will get off the budget. And, and, and when you think about the way people use the word budget, we're getting on a budget. Well, when you say you're getting on a budget, that implies that at some point you're going to be getting off, right? Like well, a diet. Yeah. It's like a, like, like a diet, right? Exactly. But for us and, and the way that I like to say on Twitter is a budgeting is a lifestyle because in the millionaire next door, Thomas Stanley talks about there's, there's a large percentage of millionaires that used budgeting and it's not that they used it in a uh, sense where they deprived themselves. They used it as just a way to visualize their finances. And that's the way we use one. And that's the way we're going to continue to use one from now until the end of time, as far as we're concerned. And, and we're not super, super strict with it. We meet maybe once or twice every other month just to look at it. I manage it and I just kind of, um, you know, get my wife's opinion because I certainly want her opinion on maybe some goals that she has or maybe some things that we need um, this month or maybe next month. And we just kind of plan it in, you know, so it, it's very low key, uh, very stress free. And, and that's that's kind of the things that people associate budgeting with, I believe, is just super stressful, restrictive, no fun. And that's one of the things that I like to uh, I try to dispel those myths when it comes to budgeting. It's all on yeah, how you utilize it. Sometimes it can be you're entitled to spend money and you can feel good about it. Right. If you don't have a budget, you never know. Should I be buying this? Should I be buying that? Da, 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 right. Whereas you can be getting towards the middle of the month and or the end of the month and be like, oh, I want this. And like, oh, look, I have money in the budget for this. I can totally buy this and feel absolutely guilt-free about it. Yeah, it gives you permission to spend. Rather, before, I would feel guilty about going and buying something that I wanted because I had no idea what our financial situation was. I always had it, this in the back of my head that, okay, I probably shouldn't spend this money because I know that we need to at some point start saving money for our future. But I had no idea what that image was. But now that I have a budget, I can say, okay, this month we've saved 25% or we've saved 30%. It's okay if I have an extra $100, I can go buy me something or my wife can go buy something. So it's, it's all in how you use it. It's all in the planning. If you take care of the, the important things first, then go have some fun with it. Go buy something that you want. And that's that's the power of it. it, it the, the budget tells you what you can do and it's all on how you use it. 
So part of the budget, obviously, is your savings. How much do you think people should start out saving? Did you start out saving 25, 30%? Well, I guess you had to pay off your debt first. Did you start with kind of like, all right, I'm going to pay off my debt, and then I'm going to save 10%, and then you worked your way up? How did that go? Yeah, so it was a slow crawl up to the 25 to 30%. And that and that 25 to 30% for us is just our average. Uh, some months it's higher. Sometimes it's around 40%. Sometimes it's maybe a little bit less. Sometimes it's about 15 um, It's all depending on what we have going on in our life. Sometimes we have to use that spare um, money for you know, some, some unexpected things that's come up that's maybe not necessarily emergency, but something that we can cash flow. That's kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier about utilizing mm-hmm. that 25 to 30 for other things. But no, um, starting off, uh, we, we just slowly creeped up to that. Um, you know, as I said before, we paid off our debt. Uh, then we started building up that emergency fund and then we started slowly moving into investing. So, um, I think the very first investment I made into index funds, I believe, was just $100. Um, I opened up a, a, a IRA or a Roth IRA, um, and then I put in $100, and then that was really it. It just sat there. I didn't even put it in any kind of invest, investment at mm-hmm. first. I just, I just deposited $100 into my account. Right. Um, and then from there, we started um, kind of dialing it in, getting a little more um, systematic with it. And I would say probably, uh, within just a few months of having our emergency fund in place, we started, uh, putting in some systems to ensure that we were, uh, staying at least within that 25% range at a a consistent monthly basis. So we were, we were, um, putting in like auto contributions, um, just straight from our bank account into our Roth IRAs. And uh, so, yeah, that, that's basically how we got started. Just really simple, nothing too fancy, just um, just really basic stuff. People say that a lot on Twitter, um, especially like some Twitter trolls will be like, oh, you're investing and you've done, you've clearly never had a low paying job, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, I don't know what you think investing is, but it can start pretty small. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that I like to talk about on Twitter, too, is, is letting people know that you don't have to have just boo coodles of money to start investing. You you can literally invest $100 right now into a index fund that is going to give you exposure over the entire stock market for a very, very little cost to almost zero cost. Mm-hmm. And and that's powerful. And, and, and that's something that... Uh, we've only just become uh, exposed to because there's so much competition now uh, between investment uh, brokerages and companies, Fidelity, uh, E-Trade, Vanguard. There, there's so much competition now, and we as investors are the winners. We as normal investors. Yeah. And and so uh, at the end of the day, it doesn't take as much, and, and the, the costs are just minuscule. So whatever you have right now, it doesn't matter if you have ten dollars, a hundred dollars, and you might even have a thousand dollars. Just put something in, and then start building those systems in place. Start building those habits. Uh, get that budget in place. Start dialing in some of those expenses that you may not need, and start allocating some of that extra into some 
uh, investments into a uh, an IRA or just a regular brokerage account. Uh, just start developing the habit. That's that's uh, one of the things I like to talk about is 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 investing is a habit. Uh, you can certainly utilize some technology like with some auto contributions or other things like that, but you have to see it within your budget first and start mentally uh, understanding because, you know, when you put that money in that account first, it feels like, okay, I'm not getting anywhere with this investment. You know, I'm, I'm losing $5 here. I'm losing $10 there, but, but you have to, in your mind, understand, that, okay, this is a long-term game and, this money that I'm putting in today is one day going to be the most powerful dollars in my portfolio and getting started sooner rather than later is so important. Yeah, that's so absolutely key is the habit. And like any, like, like, like some kind of habits, it's a little addicting too, right? You start, when you start seeing it, it's kind of hard sometimes. And I guess that's kind of like a diet too. You don't see the results right away with your $10 contribution, every paycheck or whatever you can possibly do. But eventually you start to realize there's a lot more money in there than I put in there. And that's really where the aha moment happens for me when I think, okay, you know, rich dad, poor dad type stuff. I don't have to make all of my money. My money can make me some money right? Like that's, that's an incredible idea. And this idea of, you know, you're going to, you can literally basically buy yourself some time back because if all you're doing is working for these hourly wage or your salary or whatever it is, and you take all of that and you spent it, then you just spent all of your time and you have to do it again over and over and over. But if you're saving some money and that's making money, it's just, it, I think it's the, the best thing that people can do and that people can know. And exactly like you said, Jared, you have to have that emergency fund right? Or else you don't have a foundation for your house and your house is going to fall over. Like that's the foundation. You have your budget, you start saving, you start investing. What you're dead on about index funds, even since you and I have been investing probably because we're about the same age, even in that period of time, the expense ratios have gone down significantly. It's practically free to buy uh, you know, a slice of every single stock in the stock market or every single stock in the S&P, or if you want to go international, whatever you want to do. So that's the that's the beauty of index funds. And Jared, you talked about your Roth IRA. What about 401ks or a taxable brokerage account? Yeah, so I have a 401k through my my work, uh, the company that I work for. And what I do there, I kind of have a, a system that I follow. So I, I get the match with my 401k, which is 6%, which is pretty generous, I believe. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, yeah, so I do that and then I just leave it alone. I just do 6% and then I move on. And then the remaining percentage goes right into my Roth IRA. Um, so I don't, I don't know if you're, I think you're, you asked for some numbers, like some specific numbers. I'm, I'm more than, I can share that too, if you'd like. Well, I was just curious, like, you know, what, I think the idea of getting the match that you absolutely need to do that, that is a super generous match. And for what, um, for listeners, um, you can put up to, I think right now it's $19,500 into a 401k max. That's the most you can put in, but you don't really have to do that to get the full value. In my opinion, at least, I mean, we're a little bit, you know, the personal finance community is a little bit up in arms about should you max your 401k or not. But (laughs) if you're getting the match, right, that means that, that means that Jared's putting in, 6%, 6%, but you're getting 12% of your salary put in. So it's like a hundred percent return on your money right away. And that's why you have to max, max, um, that's right. max the 401k 
match. <laughs> yeah, and and I'll throw this out there too. I do not count that extra six percent for my company as part of my total uh, percentage contribution. That's just icing on the cake. So six mm-hmm. percent to get my match. And then I go to my Roth and my next target is to max it out at the 6,000. So I'm already halfway there this year. And then once I max that out, I go straight to my taxable brokerage, which then goes straight into index funds. And then there you can get kind of creative. (laughs) Um, That's where the fun investing begins. What I say, it's all fun to me, but you know, when you go to that taxable brokerage account, you can start investing in some things like some, uh, you know, some, Bitcoin, you know, well, not Bitcoin, but, you know, Tesla stock (laughs) or, you know, some other type of uh, creative index fund investing. Um, I'm I'm seriously considering some crypto this year. I don't know. I'm kind of still on the fence about that. That's a completely different conversation. But (laughs) but but yeah, that that's kind of my process there. So I I never I've never maxed out my 401k. Um, yeah, and, and, I think that's I think that's fine. Yes, and, and so like my, my company, for example, the the, the I'm kind of limited to my investments from my four hundred one k, and some of the expenses are kind of on yeah. the higher side. Yeah. So I just do the six percent just to get the money that they're willing to give me, and then I just move on to my Roth so I can start putting in things that I want. And so I use Fidelity. Um, and the only reason why I use Fidelity is simply because that's what my 401k is through with my company. So I open the Fidelity with my Roth just so I can uh, have it all on the same dashboard. It's easier to manage. And I invest in their, um, their S&P 500 fund. And I also just recently started investing in their, uh, their Fidelity Zero Total Market, the FCROX. And and I've seen some pretty good uh, pretty good growth here recently in both of those accounts. So mm-hmm. it's been yeah. My fun. my four hundred one k is in the S and P, and my Roth is pretty much in total broad market. I think I might have a couple of like you're talking about fun stuff, right? I might have like a consumer staples in there or something right. like that, like a couple of sectors or something. Um, but very very similar. So and for listeners, just as a reminder, we've talked about this before. A 401k, when you are investing in that, that's with pre-tax dollars. Um, so let's say that you were going to put, say, say you make, let's see, what would 6, 6% be of like 50 grand? 10% would be five, 5,000. So say it's like 4,000 or something, right? You So you take that, you would pay tax on that. You would pay $1,000 in taxes. Instead, you take that $4,000, you put it into your 401k, and then it can grow forever and, you know, well, not forever until you're 72 and you have to start taking it out. And then you're taxed at um, at that point. So you're kind of borrowing the taxes you would be paying on that money and paying it way down the line when you're retired. A Roth IRA, you pay the taxes now and you never pay the taxes again, which is pretty incredible, especially if you're in a relatively low tax bracket after everything that Donald Trump did tax wise, um, regardless of what you think of the tax cuts tax rates are very low right now. So investing in a Roth IRA is a really good idea, but it does, but the government, they won't give you this unlimited, right? There's limits on both of those, 19.5 for your 401k and 6,000 for your Roth IRA. There's no limits for your brokerage because it's taxable. You pay taxes when you put it in, you pay taxes on the gains, you pay taxes when you take it out, right? So. Tax, tax, tax. Yep. <laughs> but that just so shows that's... you just how powerful these uh, these vehicles are is because they put those limits on there. If you, th- if you just think about that, 
mean, this yeah. is powerful, powerful stuff. Pay, yeah, because they want your paid. money. Exactly. Yeah. You've already paid your taxes and you're putting it in and, and all the growth is tax-free. And you mentioned uh, 401k a moment ago. My company just recently opened up the option for a Roth 401k, which I'm yep. taking advantage of right now. Incredible. Yeah. So it's it's just the, the options are out there. You just have to key into it and start utilizing them. And it's not hard. Right. Oh, no, no, no. It's a, it's very simple, especially signing up. I mean, a lot of employers now you have to say that you don't want to join a 401k. Like they're going to put you in it. And when you get a raise, they're going to up how much you're putting in. Right. But it's very simple to enroll. It can seem very complicated. There's usually a list of choices, you know, uh, pick a broad market, pick the S and P you're probably not going to go wrong, put enough in to get your match. Like it's, it's really, really simple Roth IRA you know, pick, pick again, something very simple, right? There's a book called the simple path to wealth. And he, he's like, invest in the S and P just everything in the S and P, right? Well, not everything like 75% and then invest in bonds after that, you know, so it can be very simple. And that's the way to get your best tax benefits is the 401k and the Roth IRA. And then anything after I like that. I like, I think it's a perfect, I think it's really good. Put enough in your 401k to get your match, max your Roth IRA, put the rest of what you can save into, you know, your taxable brokerage index funds. I'm with you on crypto. Jury's completely out. I did buy $500 of Bitcoin this month. So yeah, I've got like 0.01 Bitcoins or something like that. You, you need to put laser eyes on your uh, profile picture now. <laughs> <sighs> I, I put it off for so long, but I was like, fine, I'm just going to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, not to get into the weeds, but it's definitely, I think, good to have some just as a um, inflation hedge or whatever. But um, yeah, it, it's something I'm exploring too, but not quite there yet. I'm, I'm still just, you know, keeping things simple, getting the match, maxing on my Roth, and then getting a sizable amount in my taxable brokerage. And, um, and then maybe we'll get to that route or to that point to where we want to start putting some in crypto. Um, but just, you know, keeping it simple right now. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I, I complicate things because I have real estate. And so the we have, a, we have a good amount of money in our retirement accounts. We have a ton of money in real estate, you know, ton awesome. comparatively. We'd have the tiniest taxable brokerage account. It's like, almost sad compared to everything else. So that's what, that's really what we need to work on. I've actually talked to my husband, like, Hey, maybe we don't buy a property the next time we build up some cash, but yeah, but that cash flowing property is sweet though. It is. It is. <laughs> and that's an inflation hedge, um, that, that, especially right. if you have mortgages. So we have, I know I'm like breaking every like Dave Ramsey rule, but we have a mortgage on an investment property. Ooh. Mm, so, right. Shame, so. shame. <laughs> so, <laughs> So especially the the environment that we're in, um, inflation hedges are going to be important, at least for the foreseeable future. But if I know if you're getting your cost of living adjustments at work and you're stick, sticking to the path, I, there's you're not going to you're really not going to go wrong. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to add? I mean, we talked about emergency funds. We talked about budgeting, um, paying down debt, how much you should save, how you should invest what you're saving. Yeah, I guess the the one thing that I would like to add is, and, and it's something that we've already discussed, but it's it's so is so important to to say again is, and, and I don't, you may be completely new to all this, you may have 
really no idea where to start or what to do. But the one thing that I will say and the thing that helped us when we started our quote unquote money journey is just getting that image in place. Okay, what what are we bringing in? What are we spending and how much do we have left? And then you need to kind of zoom out and see where you're at currently. Okay, do I have any debt in my life that I need to get rid of? Any bad debt, I will say. You know, if you have a mortgage, something like that, you know, that that's a completely different conversation. But do you have that credit card debt? Do you have that car payment that maybe you need to get rid of? Do you have some other type of thing like us, this random termite bill? <laughs> um, you got to get rid of that so you can start freeing up some cash flow to begin building wealth. And the the number one step is getting that budget in place to understand exactly where you're at. Because I see people all the time that jump right into investing and they have just untold amounts of debt over here. And, and, and it's awesome that they started. That's, that's, a, that's a great thing to just start, but start from a position of power, not from weakness. Because as we've already talked about before, if you just jump right into investing, but yet you have all this other stuff over here that's eating away your cash flow, you're not going to reach your full potential when it comes to investing. Because investing is the key to, as you said earlier, getting out of this, maybe this rat race that you just got into uh, with your career. Or maybe you enjoy your job, but maybe you're just looking for some financial stability in your life. Investing is the key. And having that cash flow is a component of that and understanding your finances, how much am I spending, how much am I making is the number one place to start. And I'll, I'll tell that to anybody that asks me, what's the first thing that I need to do? You need to get a budget and understand what your situation looks like. You can certainly wing it and you may have some success with it, but it, it just kind of helps systemize some things. Uh, when you're first starting off. So that that would that's one thing I just wanted to say um, is just get that budget in place. So, so important. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great transition to my closing line of, hey, managing money is a huge part of adulting and Jared's path is an excellent one to follow. So why don't you tell listeners how they can get in touch with you? I highly recommend for sure following you on Twitter, but what else, what else you got for people? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at money j rod and also while you're there go to my page and uh, click on my link on my uh, bio and you can download a free copy of my ebook which i wrote last year that just basically details everything that we just talked about it talks about our journey how we started how we utilized the budget how we paid off our debt and now how we're building our future uh, for our family so you can go there and download that book and uh, shoot me a DM and let me know what you think about it. And if you have any questions, I'm more than happy to answer any questions that you may have. Uh, that's the whole purpose of me being there is to just maybe help somebody. If, if I've helped one person, then I've, I've achieved my goal. Yep, absolutely. And that's a great way. Your ebook is going to be a great way to take what we talked about today and make it actionable. Your particular, you know, in the listener's life. Yep. And it's free. No cost. Just go get it. Just go get it. So um, it's also free to follow me on Twitter at Adulting is Easy. I'm on Facebook. You can email me. Um, email me. Hey, if uh, give me some responses to what you're thinking about the episodes I've been putting out lately. Let me know if there's any topics you would like me to cover. Um, let me know if you have anybody that will talk about 
dividends and dividend stocks. I'm trying to get somebody to come on the show for that. Um, you can show support at patreon.com slash adulting is easy. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Hopefully we made adulting a little easier for you.